Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. Oh my goodness. I know we usually just text, but I like had to talk to someone. You will never guess what just happened. No, I want you to guess. No, that's not it at all. Anywho, so I went to bed how I always do, which is always super hard the night before Christmas. I know, right? Like, it's crazy. So I'm in my bed, and the whole time I'm just imagining all my presents are getting put under the tree. It's so hard to go to bed when you know what's happening. I'm not talking about that right now. Let me finish my story. So I wake up in the morning, so excited to see all my presents, and you'll never guess what I see. No, I want you to guess. <sighs> None of my presents were there. I quickly ran to my parents and woke them up, asking what had happened. No, they had no clue. None. This is so upsetting. I don't know who would do such a thing. Who would steal like that from a pretty decent family like us? You know we look forward to this day for so long, and now there's nothing. No joy, no smiles on our faces, no laughter, and not even pancakes. It's terrible. I tell you, it's just terrible. It's like the excitement, the, the, the joy is gone. I know you, you're right. Anywho, enough about me. How are you? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Good morning, Joy Christian Center. How many of you are alive in Jesus today? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Just to warn you, just to let you know, I did the math, and uh, according to my tech high school mathematics, it tells me there's about nine more shopping days until Christmas. There's about uh, 14 more days until 2019, maybe 15 days, actually. That's uh, shocking to me. I don't know about you. It's like this year has gone that fast. And, and uh, if you're feeling like that, and perhaps you are, maybe you're not, if you're feeling like that, chances are you're on my side of 50 and life is just zipping by you kind of a thing. And so uh, it seems like the older we get, the faster life happens and life goes on. Um, we're doing a series, as you've heard, we're doing a series called The Joy Robber. And um, you know, this season is known as a season of joy and peace and thanksgiving and, and all of the things that are associated with it and come with it. And we have warm, fond memories, hopefully, of, of Christmas has gone by. And, uh, and, and we're looking forward, at least to a certain degree, I think we're looking forward to Christmases uh, yet to come because of family and friends. And yet, that's not always the experience for everybody. Not everybody enjoys Christmas. Not everybody finds the joy of Christmas. And, and there's a lot of joy that we could point at and that we could look to that say, well, that's, that's the reason that I don't have joy anymore, that I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying this season as much because of the pressure of, of family. I'm not enjoying this season as much because of the pressure of, of having to buy stuff. And, and then there's, there's very real things that this will be the first Christmas that somebody is without a loved one or it's the first Christmas that a family has been broken and now they're 
dealing with the, with, with the dynamics of, of a broken family that they've never had to deal with before. And, and there's a lot of things that cause anxiety and stress. And, and so we're talking about some, some different aspects. And, and we're kind of using this verse as a launch verse for this series. It's in John chapter 16 and verse 22. We can look at it together. It says, therefore, now you have sorrow. And Jesus was speaking to his disciples and as he was talking to the disciples, he was actually had been talking about his death, that he was going to Jerusalem, <clears throat> that he was going to be put to death there. And so, he, he, and obviously the things that he had said were causing them to be, the, the, the disciples, to be sorrowful, to be scared, to, to be uncertain about what was going to happen because the one that they had trusted in was saying that he's leaving. And so he says, therefore now you have sorrow, but I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Your joy no one will take from you. I want to say that again. You have a joy. If you're a follower of Christ, we talked about this last week, and if you weren't here last week, couldn't make it, uh, or if, if something we say today interests you, I would encourage you to, to go to greatjoy.org, and you can... Uh, uh, listen to last week's message. We talked a little bit about the source of joy. Happiness is dependent on what happens on the outside of us, but joy is a result of something that God did on the inside of us. And so Jesus has said to us, how many of you believe what Jesus says? Words have read in most Bibles, we believe what Jesus said. Jesus said, you have a joy that no one can take from you. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you have a just because Jesus says you have a joy that nobody takes from you doesn't mean that everything in life will always be joyful it doesn't mean that everything in life will always be happy that you'll just be happy 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 that we'll just flow and I think a lot of people believe that well now that God is in my life now that Jesus is in my life I shouldn't struggle I shouldn't have any difficulties I shouldn't have any heartache I shouldn't have any pain we struggle with those feelings sometimes when we try to reconcile the difference between Jesus saying that you have a joy that nobody can take from you and the realities of the life that we live in and yet something has happened on the inside of us through the new birth, through Jesus coming into our life, through us submitting or surrendering our way and our life to him. He says you have a joy that nobody can take from you. And, and, and the way I want to say this to you this morning is that we can point the finger at a lot of things in our life that would try to rob our joy. We can, we can point our finger and, and, and nod in agreement at things that would cause us to lose the joy of our salvation. And yet Jesus said, nobody and nothing should be able to take that from you. And what we learn in that is that while nobody can take it from us, sometimes we can forfeit it. Sometimes we can surrender it. Sometimes we can give it up. And again, I don't want to tell you this morning or imply this morning that everything in life is always going to be fun. That everything in life will always be joyful. Every single one of us will face moments of heartache or sorrow or pain or chaos or confusion. Every single one of us are going to face those moments in life because that's what happens on planet Earth. Pastor Brian, this is a fun Christmas message. Thank you so much for telling me what I already know. See, I don't want, I, I don't want there to be a misunderstanding at all because... And we've been working around a couple of different words, intervention and, and, and revelation and interpretation. We've been, been mentioned those words. We're going to mention them again throughout this message. And I don't want us to misunderstand. I'm not telling you this morning that all the pain and bad things that happen, that God's doing them to you. The Bible is very clear that we have an adversary. We have an enemy. 
the devil that goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This life and everything in this life, this life is dangerous. Everything in this human life functions differently than how God originally planned for it to function. When Adam sinned in the garden, we call it the fall because humanity fell far below what God wanted them to experience because of the entrance of sin and death. The Apostle Paul tells us that Satan became the God of this world, and we live in this world. I've had people pray, you know, Pastor Brian, just pray that the devil wouldn't bother me anymore. And I would have to pray that God would kill you or that you would die so that the devil would never bother you anymore. You have an adversary, the devil, and every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he is working. He's looking for weakness. He's looking for an inroad into your life to bring destruction into your life. Not only do you have an enemy, I know that none of you have done this, but how many of you know somebody that's made some bad choices in life? Anyone? And that's the beautiful thing about free will. You get to choose. You get to choose. But here's the thing. While you get to choose, the circumstances are already established. The, the consequences are already established. If you make bad decisions and spend too much money, guess what? We find out very quickly that I want is far better than I owe. And so sometimes we can make bad decisions and, and painful things happen as a result of that. Sometimes people just don't know. In the book of Hosea, it says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People don't know that there's a, <clears throat> a better way, that there's a different way. And so for these and many, many other reasons, we encounter circumstances of life that our joy seems to be gone. That are not joyful in itself. And yet Jesus said that you have a joy that nobody can take from you. And I think there's a warning attached to it. Don't give it up. <clears throat> so last week, and, 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 and this, is, this is a three-part series that I feel like has about 17 other parts involved in it. And, it, and, 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 I, and so I'm really laboring through some things to try to build a picture, paint a picture, and, and, and build something into your life. And, and, and yet we want it to be kind of fun and light because it's Christmas and it's supposed to be fun and light. And I feel like I'm like a 600-pound gorilla on your back right now. And I don't want to be that guy. But I want us to understand a couple of things this morning. Because Israel, in the story of Christmas, we mentioned this last week, Israel wanted God's intervention. They wanted God to intervene into their nation, into their situation. They were, they, they, they were uh, you know, in, in the, under the thumb of the Roman Empire, the Roman rulers, and, and they knew the promises. They knew that God was going to send a deliverer or a Messiah. They were thinking, they were thinking God was going to send a mighty king that would reestablish the glory that David had as a king. But God wanted, Israel wanted God's intervention, but God wanted to give the nation of Israel a revelation. And we saw that, that when that happened... When, when, and John writing after, the Apostle John writing after everything had happened the, from his birth, the birth of Christ to the death and resurrection of Christ, he, he wrote and he said, you know what, God intervened. Jesus became the flesh among us, the word that was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we saw him, his glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, so beautiful and so wonderful and so powerful. And he was light that stepped into this dark world, but the darkness couldn't comprehend it. The darkness rejected it. The world, that he was the world that he created, the world that God created, rejected <clears throat> the creator, did not recognize God's intervention in their lives. 
And so we said this last week that sometimes the situation itself that we are in isn't as important as the interpretation of that situation. How we see what's going on around us affects our life. And I was thinking as, as I was sort of standing over on the side and I'm watching the kids and I kind of like, I don't know who the, who the little kid was with the candy cane that used it as a hammer on whoever was next to him. I was like, whack, you know, kind of thing. I like that kid already. Anyway, he's got a future in ministry. And uh, anyway, <laughs> now, f- for those of you that are parents, you might want to plug your ears for just a second, but, but or had children up here this morning. But if we were to judge that performance solely based on musical expertise and ability, uh, you know, the stagecraft that we saw perhaps, the, you know, their, their mannerisms and things, if, if we were to judge that thing solely on the musical ability, talent, and all of the things that we saw this morning, we would probably say that really wasn't very good. I wouldn't say that to the parents. Or grandparents, yeah, exactly. Because I value my life. But we weren't viewing it that way. We weren't interpreting it that way. Now, there might have been one or two critical people here that was like, oh, that's terrible. I could have done better than that. But you know what? You know. Anyway, <laughs> maybe you were here. But, but for the most part, most people would interpret it as their kids and, and their, and trust me. I think that for many of them, for many of those kids, it's kind of an eye-opener because you guys can be scary sometimes to look at. <laughs> there's only one of me, and there's a bunch of you, and you, some of you don't look happy a lot of times, and I can't tell if you're just not happy or if you're just that way all the time, uh, you know, <laughs> or what. And so we, we pray. It increases our prayer life, praying for your spouse, <laughs> those kinds of things. But we wouldn't. We don't view those things. We don't look at the. We interpret them differently. And we don't look solely at, at, at what's happening. And, 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 and there's a word for that and, and, um, that I, I, I think, and I don't know where I, I we, we have Saturday morning prayer here. And, and uh, one morning, one Saturday morning, we're praying. And, and this word, just, there was a song that was, that was playing about, you know, the atmosphere is changing now. And I just thought of the word atmospherics. I didn't realize it was, I don't think I realized or knew that the atmospherics is an actual word. And, and so I Googled the word atmospherics. And, and, and atmospherics is something that, that, that can change the mood. It's something in the atmosphere that can change the mood. It can change the heart. It can change, it can change how we view things. Atmospheric is something, actually, atmospherics is something that I, see, I saw was credited to a person in 1973 who understood that how a store was designed, the ambiance of the store, from the smell to the colors to the layout to, to uh, uh, you know, all of the different things, that it can actually induce people to buy things. So the next time you've spent too much money, you can say, you know what? It was the atmosphere of that room that I was in. I just could not help myself. Uh, it caused, and, and, and Las Vegas has understood that certain colors and certain things, it, it excites people. And, and so atmospherics is used in this idea in, in retail space. It's also used in this idea of, of there's electric, uh, electrical disturbances in the atmosphere, atmospherics, that can disable communication. It can cause there to be a problem in communication. And I was thinking about the atmosphere in that way, atmospherics that way. I think that all of us have cho- as children have learned to view and to look at parental atmospherics. I mean, you've ever walked into a room <clears throat> and you could just sense, you could just... <coughs> excuse me, you could just sense, you could just feel, you could just know that there was something that was just a little bit off. Anyone? Husbands? 
You walked into the room and you're like, uh-oh. And it wasn't like, you know, it was like, okay, I don't know what you're mad at, but what did you catch me at? You know, kind of a thing. Which one? Kind of a thing. And so, so we, can, we, we understand that there's atmosphere, atmospherics, as it relates to communication, that we gauge sometimes the receptivity of somebody based on what we sense in the atmosphere, if you will. And then there's, there's another way that atmospherics is used, and that's effects that are intended to create a certain mood. Hollywood has discovered this you know, stage, drama, play. They, they understand the power of music, that when, when music is played a certain way, it can inv invoke certain emotions, whether it's excitement or, or, or sadness or fear. How many of you are familiar with the movie Home Alone? Home Alone, I mean, that was kind of a, I guess it's a, you know, I've seen it with our kids and seen it a couple times. It's kind of funny, and it's, it's, it's sort of a light Christmassy sort of a thing, right? And, and so um, I'm not here to endorse a certain movie, but, uh, or any movie for that matter, except movies about Jesus. And, um, and so, but I, I want to show you a little demonstration of how atmosphere can affect mood. Most of us know Home Alone is this kind of light, fun-hearted movie that, 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 you know, the little kid ends up winning in the end. But go ahead and show that clip if you would. Murdered his whole family and half the people on the flock. That's where he keeps his victims. kind of amazing that just by changing the music, just by changing, I mean, everything that you saw and, and, and the words, the dialogue that you heard, everything is from the, from the movie itself, but just by changing the dynamics of the music, it changed, it changed really the entire heart of or the idea of the movie itself. And isn't it interesting how, how just changing the atmospherics of a story can actually change the story? Let's say that to you again. Changing the atmospherics of a story will change the story. It changed Home Alone from kind of a, a fun-filled Christmas movie to something that sounds kind of scary and dark and, and, and evil or whatever it might be just by changing the atmosphere around it. And changing the atmosphere changes the story. And that brings me to the Christmas story this morning or an aspect of it. And, and I think that next week we'll, we'll sort of continue with thought and build into this because I want you to start 2019 strong. I don't want us to limp into 2019. Amen? I want us to finish strong. As a church, I want us to finish strong. I want to, actually, I should say this. I, I want to say thank you to you and, and, and those of you that have given towards Joy to the World. We are, we're about $32,000 that has been given now to Joy to the World. It's 49, amen. $49.95 can do a lot. Thank you so much. <clears throat> and we're excited about some of the stuff that we get to do in 2019. And, and so I want us as a church, I want you to finish this year strong. And I want us to go forward into 2019 with a lot of energy and momentum and build into some powerful things for this, this next year. And so when we're thinking about atmospherics and the Christmas story, atmospherics have a tendency to be able to change things. It has a tendency to be able to change the story itself. And so we find this, find this in, in Luke chapter 2, very familiar probably to all 
all of you because all of us think that we know everything there is to know about Christmas and we've heard it a, a hundred times before. And so in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, eight, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. At this point, there's nothing exciting. And, and, and again, I think that we have a tendency sometimes because the, <laughs> the shepherds were doing the same old, same old. Amen? I mean, they have done this a thousand times before. They're in the field. It's dark. They're keeping watch over their flock. It wasn't a one-time thing. It was an everyday thing. And it was mundane. It was boring. It was a job. It was life. They spent a thousand days doing it. They're going to spend a thousand more days doing it. They're going to spend the rest of their life in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And I kind of want to pull that and strip away the Christmas card from you just a little bit because I think that sometimes we think that we've heard this before, we know everything we need to know about it, and we have a tendency to view the Christmas story through a sanitized lens of religious tradition and obligation, and we sort of just gloss over it and pass over it. And I, and I want you to think about what was happening, what were they experiencing, what were they feeling for the very first time if you were with the shepherds watching the, sh the, the sheep at night, what would be your view, what would be be your thoughts? What would be your feeling? Because every day of your life is the same old, same old. Hello. Ask me, what's up? Ah, same old, same old. Same stuff, different day. Amen? You know people like that? And so God wants to step into the life of Israel. God wants to step into the life of humanity. God wants to intervene. Just like Israel wanted God's intervention, and just like you and I at times in our lives need, desire, and want God's intervention. But often God's intervention needs a revelation. And so here are the shepherds, and they're, giving, they're doing what they've done a thousand times before, but something happens. God intervenes. We read in verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, wouldn't you think that would be just, how many of you would like to have an angel appear to you? And the glory, we're all not, yes, amen. Well, I kind of think that maybe we'd be more like the shepherds than we want to admit. Because what happened? The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? They were what? They were mumbling, grumbling, knee-knocking afraid. Probably later, I was like, hey, man, he soiled himself. He was so afraid. He should have saw him, man. The old shepherd Sam, man, he just, he couldn't hold it any longer. He just, it shook him so bad. They're having a big time laughing about it. All right, behold, the angel of the Lord. Sorry if that was inappropriate for you. I apologize. <laughs> Gordy said I should say that, so thank you, Gordy, for that. <laughs> behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. They were greatly afraid. Here's God's intervention in their life. God is about to reveal something so powerful and so wonderful that 2,000 years later we are still talking about it. And they're afraid of God showing up. God's intervention without a revelation caused them to be afraid. How important is it for us to be able to interpret what it is that God is doing in our life. And, and, and last week we said this, I'll say it again, that sometimes divine intervention needs a divine revelation so that we can get the right interpretation of what's going on around us. Sometimes when God intervenes, we need the right revelation to get to the right interpretation. And so here comes the, the divine 
intervention of God is followed up with a divine revelation from the angels. It says in verse 10, that the angels said to them, do not be afraid. They addressed the fear. You don't have to be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I find this kind of funny in a, in a way, almost amazing, that the angels had to say, by the way, whoa, 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 don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid, because this is actually good for you. What I'm telling, what, what you're about to hear and what you're seeing right now, this is good news for you. This is for your betterment, not for your harm. And I wonder how many times we've missed God saying that to us. When we're presented with something from God and, and, and right away we're, we're afraid of what God might do or we're confused about what God might want or, 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 or we're maybe kind of like Israel, we reject God. Divine intervention needs a revelation. Because how we saw in John chapter 1 last week, how the people interpreted the intervention of God caused them to react a certain way. And here with the shepherds, God intervenes, but because they didn't understand and they couldn't see and they couldn't know, it caused them to react with fear rather than faith. So the divine revelation comes in the form of the angel's words. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The initial response to God's intervention was one of fear. But when the revelation came, when understanding came, when they saw what they couldn't see, and when they received the word of the angel, something changed in them. And not only did something change in them, something changed around them. Fear was replaced by faith. Shepherds kicking back, watching their sheep, suddenly sprung to action. Things began to change. The momentum began to build. Life began to happen in and around them. And notice what happened, and this happened in the atmosphere. Notice what happened in verse 13. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Intervention comes. There is a response, and that response was one of fear. Revelation follows it. And fear is replaced with faith and with joy, with celebrating. And suddenly the atmosphere is filled with the presence and the glory of God. Now let me ask you a question that I think you already know the answer to, but I think it's worth asking and considering. One angel appears and gives them the message, the shepherds. Fear, faith, atmospheres change. Suddenly there's a whole bunch of angels. Do you think that those angels just came from every corner of the universe and all of a sudden just filled there? Or were they there all the time? I think they were there all the time. I really do. I think they were there all the time. See, I believe that there's far more going on around us that you and I ever see. There's a whole realm that's called the spirit realm. We, 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 we get so focused on how hard life is and the pain of life and the sorrow of life and the chaos of life. And, and some people get so focused on the enemy, the devil, and, and that's all they see. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's something greater. There's something more powerful. And it's amazing to me, at least, it is amazing to me that my faith can change things not just in me but around me. 
and how what I believe affects what I see. And so when the angels came and they were afraid, and then they listened and they heard, and that fear was replaced and there was something that, that happened on the inside, and then they began to see something, the same thing they'd seen for a thousand nights before, but they saw it differently. And, and, and their eyes were opened and they saw what I believe was there the whole time power and the glory of God, the presence of God, revealed to them in a way that they'd never seen before. And so sometimes divine intervention needs a divine revelation so we get the right interpretation. A divine intervention, God intervening in our life. Now, just like changing the atmospherics in the movie Home Alone changes the feel of the story, changes the story. Changing the atmospherics of our life will change the story of our life. Let me say that again. Changing the atmospherics in the story will change the story. And when the story for the shepherds was one of fear, after the revelation came, the atmosphere was charged with the presence of God. And that fear, that inactivity, that, that shaking, it was replaced with a desire to go towards Jesus. So you might say, Pastor Brian, I, I've never seen an angel. I, I'd like to see an angel. I'd like to have an angel appear to me. Listen to what the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Galatia in, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. Let God's curses fall on anyone, <laughs> including myself. Sorry, it seems a little harsh this morning. Let God's curses fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other way to be saved than the one that we told you about. Yes, if an angel comes from heaven and preaches any other message, let him forever be accursed. Paul said, or Peter writing this in 1 Peter 1.19 says, and this is from the Passion Translation, a little bit more modern translation and a little more wordy, but it says, and so we have been given the prophetic word, the written message of the prophets, he's referring to the Old Testament, made more reliable, more reliable and fully validated by the confirming voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you will continue to do well if you stay focused on it. Now, I want us to think about and consider those two verses because I think that sometimes when we think of God's intervention in our life, we're thinking of the angels and we're thinking of the light and we're thinking of the goosebumps and we're thinking of the big and the powerful and the awesome. We're thinking about all of those things that could possibly happen. And here Paul writes and he says, you know what, if an angel shows up to you and tells you anything that's different than God's word, don't go with the angel, go with God's word. Peter says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have a more sure word. It is more sure than an angel talking to you. It's more sure than any human being talking to you. It is more sure. It is the written word of God. And that written word of God, and I love what the passage, the, 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 the Passion Translation says when it says, you will do well. You will continue to do well if you pay attention to it. Now, all of us as good Christians, we would nod our head in agreement, wouldn't we? How many of you believe that if you just do what the Word of God says, probably your life's better? Amen. Amen? And a few of you say, you know what, I've proven that out. I've proven it out. Now, connect the dots with me. God's intervention viewed, <laughs> how we view God's intervention will change the atmosphere of our life. God's intervention needs a divine revelation so we get the right interpretation. All of us have had the opportunity to hear 
God's word. The number one way that God is going to intervene into your life is not by an angel, although I'm angelic. <laughs> it's not by an angel, not by a human being. The number one way that God is going to intervene in your life is going to be through his word. And how many of you, have, and in fact, I'll say it this way, I like, I like to say it this way. If you've never been challenged by God's word, then I would sometimes question how, how sincere your Christianity is. Because there will be times that God intervenes into your life through his word, and you will be faced with a decision. As I've said many times, Christianity is simple, but it's not easy. And you're going to be asked to make changes in your life. You're going to be asked to prioritize how you spend your time or your money or use your gifts and your talents. You're going to be asked to do those things. And God's word, will, God's intervention will challenge you. And people have heard the challenge and the intervention of God's word. And some have looked at it and said, well, all the church wants is my time. All the church wants is my time. We're interpreting the wrong way. God's trying to intervene in your life, and he's trying to help you, and he's trying to help you, wants, wants you to see things in a little bit different light, but without a revelation, without an understanding. We can miss the point of what God's trying to bring into our life. And I want to remind you, I'm still talking to you about a joy that nobody takes from you. And I would venture to guess that up until this point, there's not been a lot of joyfulness necessarily being preached or being heard. And, and, and I was thinking about this yesterday morning as we were praying, <clears throat> and this thought that if you change the atmospherics in a story, it will change the story. I believe this. I believe that God's word will change the atmospherics of your life. And if you let the word of God and the presence of God change the atmospherics of your life, it will change the story of your life. I'm going to say that again. If you will let the word of God and the presence of God change the atmospherics of your life, it will change the story of your life. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalms chapter 16. Verse 11 says, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. I can see the psalmist at a difficult, difficult moment. Father, I thank you that you show me the path of life. <laughs> There's a whole lot of stuff that happens in life that we don't understand. Anybody notice that? There's a lot of stuff <clears throat> that goes on around us where there's heartache, there's sorrow, there's confusion. And joy doesn't seem to be a part of our experience at this particular time. And I can see David. I won't kneel because I probably can't get back up, but I'll sit down. I see David before God in his presence. He said, Heavenly Father, I thank you. You show me the path of life. I'm going through some stuff right now. I don't know if it's from you. I don't know if it's the devil. I don't know if it's ignorance. But Heavenly Father, I'm going through some stuff right now, and I need an interpretation. I need a revelation. Because if I'm left to my own, I'm going to interpret it as you're angry with me. You're mad at me, that you're displeased with me, that I've done something wrong. If I leave it to my own, I'm going to interpret it the wrong way. So God, I need 
in your presence, God, I need you to show me the path of life. And I can see him pouring out his heart to God. I can see him pouring out his longing, his soul hurting. God, I need you in this moment. And God is faithful. God is so good. Which is the story of Christmas. That Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God with us. Not God way out there. Not God over there. But God with us. And we want the big. And we want the powerful. The prophet Elijah, he saw saw the wind blow and the mountain shake. But God wasn't in that. He was in the whisper. And the whisper could only be heard when somebody's right next to you. And it was God saying, I am right here. You don't have to look out there. And something happened in the presence of God. The atmospherics were changed. It didn't change out there, it changed in here. God, you show me the path of life. And God, you show me that there's not always things that are full of joy, that are fun. But Father, you've revealed your goodness and your love. So he says again, show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, at your right hand, there's pleasures evermore. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are here this morning, that right now there's pain in their heart, there's sorrow. There's emptiness. Father, I know that there are many who are here today who've been interpreting the events of their life in the wrong way. Some blame you. Others blame themselves. And others still blame other people around them. But Father, we're not here to affix a blame anywhere. We're here to turn our gaze towards you. So Father, we... We lift up our hands to you this morning. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence in this place right now. I thank you that above everything else, you are here. I thank you that you're here right now. And I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. I thank you you that you are the God that, that has a peace that passes all understanding. And Father, I thank you that in your presence, our joy becomes complete. Our joy becomes complete in you, not because we understand and not because we feel, but because we trust you. Father, we know that you are the anchor of our salvation. We know that you are the source of our life. So Father, I thank you that you as Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals, the one who is our peace, the one who is our strength, resides in us. Father, I thank you that in that place of honor towards you, acknowledging your presence, the atmosphere of our life begins to change. And that, Father, we're not under a cloud anymore, but, Father God, we're under your glory. We're under your presence. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, you've never been born again, and you say, Pastor, I don't maybe I don't understand what that is, but but I want to commit my life to him. Jesus said that unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. 
If you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, you would just hold your hand up real high for just a second so I can see it. We're going to pray together. Not going to ask you to do anything other than, than, than pray with me right now. Go ahead. Yep, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just hold your hand up real high. Yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I believe today I need a Savior. And Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you are alive today. I believe and trust that you paid the price so that I could have life. Today I thank you. All of my sin is forgiven. I'm right with you and that I have a hope and a future. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for the men and women in this room. I thank you, Father God, for your presence here today. I thank you, Father, it's an abiding presence. I thank you that it's not just here momentarily, but your presence goes with us every single moment of every single day. And I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus and everybody said.